Dear Sangha, uh, dear friends, welcome to the to Plum Village. We are in uh, our winter retreat. We are halfway to our in our winter retreat. Several several hundreds of us uh, have been practicing together. And uh, we have created an atmosphere of uh, calm, solidity, uh, brotherhood, sisterhood, and joy. And uh, some of you have come for one week, uh, two weeks, and you may like, uh, and you may feel that uh, energy generated by the practice of being together. The practice of Plum Village um, is simple enough for everyone to understand. We learn how to handle the painful feeling, the painful emotions in us, and learn from our pain our suffering. It's like uh, learning how to make good use of uh, the mud in order to to grow lotus flowers. And we also learn how to generate the energy of uh, joy and happiness for our nourishment and healing. It is possible for any one of us, every one of us to to bring in a feeling of joy, a feeling of happiness whenever we want to. With the use of uh, mindfulness, concentration and insight. So that is what uh, we learn to do during the retreat, how to handle our suffering how to create uh, joy and happiness. We have been uh, meditating in the last um, three weeks about the theme of uh, going home. <coughs> Everyone uh, wants a home to come back to, a place where we feel comfortable, uh, peaceful, Fulfilled, a place where we, we we are satisfied with ourselves. We don't want uh, to do anything else, to go anywhere else. We feel uh, uh, peaceful and happy. And uh, Christmas is uh, a time for us to reflect on the theme of. Uh, Going home. Uh, according to the teaching and the practice uh, offered by the Buddha, home is something available. And uh, we need some practice in order to truly go home and feel the peace, the joy that we deserve.
Uh, if uh, we have uh, a path, if we have a practice, a spiritual practice, and then we can go home at any moment of our daily life. We can go home and heal ourselves and take good care of ourselves because many of us are going around unable to to find our home. Jesus Christ, when he was born, he was a refugee. He had to run. He was looking for home also. The Buddha, when he was uh, young, he was Siddhartha. He didn't find it comfortable in the palace. He did not like it. He did not feel happy, peaceful, um, with all these uh, luxurious uh, uh, conditions of, uh, of a prince. So he also left uh, the palace and looked for home. And he told us about how he went home. There is a place within ourselves that he called the island within. The island within. And if you know how to go back there, and then you, you are home. Take, taking refuge in the island within oneself. You are made of uh, body and mind. In Buddhism, we speak of five elements, body, feelings, perceptions, mental formations, and consciousness. Body and mind, it means nama rupa, matter and energy. We are made of uh, matter and energy. And we know that matter can be transformed into energy. And energy can be uh, transformed back into matter. So they are very much the same. The same thing is true with body and mind. And uh, we can learn, we can see body and mind in terms of energy. We can see Jesus Christ as energy. We can see Buddha as energy, and we can see ourselves as energies. We are made of energies, and we can recognize that energy in five, uh, five uh, forms, body, feelings, perceptions, mental emotions, and consciousness. And these energies are producing energies. these energies are transferring themselves into other forms of energies. When we produce a thought, we produce energy. And 
what we produce in terms of thoughts are our continuation in future. When we say something, we produce energy. And the energy of speaking can, can, can be seen as our continuation also. And when we do something with our body, uh, we also produce energy. So these three kinds of energies uh, we produce every day. And even if we don't see them, they are real, because the energies can never be lost. We know about uh, the law of uh, conservation of energies. You cannot destroy energy. You cannot make them disappear. You can transfer them, but you cannot destroy them. So, so what we think, what we say, and what we do, they are energies. And if uh, our thinking is uh, good thinking, right thinking, if uh, what we say is uh, right speech, and what if what we do is uh, right action, and then we will have a beautiful continuation. Otherwise, uh, there will be suffering. So, energies are transferring themselves. Energies are producing energies. And it is possible for us to assure uh, a better future by taking care of our energies and uh, make sure that they are they are generating good, wholesome energies for for the future. We shall have the time to uh, to reflect more about the theme of going home today. But now um, I would like to. Uh, to speak about the practice of sending and listening so that we can together generate uh, good energy that can nourish us and transform us. Uh, in the Buddhist tradition, sending is not uh, to pray, not exactly to pray for something we don't have. To pray, to send means to produce energy. And we want to produce good energies, the energy of understanding and compassion and love. So when the monastics chant, they try their best to create that kind of energy of understanding and compassion. And when we listen, we can listen in such a way that can help creating also, generating also that energy of understanding and compassion that will be nourishing and healing, not only for us, but for the people around us also. There is uh, the energy of suffering in us. Every one of us has some suffering. And that suffering may have been handed down to us by several generations of ancestors. Sometimes we suffer and we don't know why we suffer like that. We don't understand that suffering. It does not seem that we have created that suffering. 
So it might have been transmitted to us by our father, our grandfather, our mother, our grand, great-grandmother. Because we are a continuation of our ancestors. And uh, when the monastics uh, practice chanting, tonight, uh, this afternoon, they will chant the name of uh, the Bodhisattva of Compassion, Avalokiteshvara. And while chanting, they practice uh, going back to themselves and recognize uh, the energy of suffering in them. The energy of suffering that might have been transmitted to them by their ancestors. And with uh, the energy of mindfulness of chanting, they recognize and embrace that, uh, that suffering in them. You do not try to cover up, to suppress the suffering inside. Instead, we recognize it and embrace it tenderly, and that is the practice. And while we are holding our suffering with the energy of mindfulness, we suffer less. Because suffering is a kind of energy, and mindfulness is another kind of energy. And mindfulness here is mindfulness of suffering. I suffer and I know that I suffer. I know that there is suffering in me and that I am uh, embracing uh, my suffering tenderly. And mindfulness of suffering helps to, to bring relief and to, and to bring also understanding. When we focus our attention, our concentration on our energy, we have a chance to understand the nature of that suffering. Usually, we don't like to do that. We want to ignore our suffering. Because uh, to be with our suffering, we think that it's not pleasant. So we try to always run away from our suffering. And the way most people do it is to consume. We try to find something to eat, to drink, not because we are hungry or thirsty, but because we don't want to think about our suffering. There is a suffering, there is loneliness, there is an emptiness in us, and don't want to confront that. That is why eating and drinking is to try to forget the suffering inside. Or you might to turn on television for the same purpose. Or pick up a book to read, same purpose. Or make a telephone call, the same purpose, running away from our own suffering. And that is why we never have a chance to understand our suffering. And the Buddha proposed the opposite. Go home, recognize the suffering inside, and embrace it tenderly. You will suffer less, and you'll begin to understand your own suffering. And understanding suffering makes you suffer much less, right away. So the same thing is that 
when they chant the name of the Bodhisattva of Compassion, they go home to themselves and they recognize the suffering inside. They allow the suffering to be. And they just recognize and embrace it. And when they chant the name for the second time, <coughs> they are aware of the suffering in the people around them. Where every one of us has suffering. And they also make an effort to recognize and embrace that suffering of the people in front of them, on the left, on the right, behind them. And when you embrace suffering, you recognize suffering. The energy of compassion naturally arises. And this is the wonder of the practice. When you embrace suffering and begin to understand suffering, the energy of compassion arises. Always. If you see the suffering and understand the suffering of the other person, you are not angry at him or her anymore. This is sure. You are angry at him. You want to punish him because you have not seen the suffering inside of him, because you have not understood the suffering in him. And if you, with the energy of mindfulness and concentration, recognize the suffering in him or in her, and understand the suffering in him or in her, compassion arises in you, and you don't hate, you you are not angry at him anymore. This is uh, simple to understand. So while chanting, you are recognizing your own suffering, and you recognize the suffering of the other person. So you allow the energy of compassion to arise and begin to heal you. And the fact is that when you have understood your own suffering, it's much easier to recognize the suffering in the other person and recognize the suffering in her and him. Uh, You begin to understand. And compassion also arises in you. You don't look at him or her with anger anymore. In fact, you are now capable of looking at the other person with eyes of compassion, which is a real transformation and healing. So when the monastic sent the name of the Bodhisattva of compassion for the third time, they reached out to the people in the world suffering, war, despair, death is happening everywhere. And touching suffering like that allow them also to to experience uh, compassion arising. So this practice of chanting is very important. This is uh, not exactly to pray, but to, to generate the energy of understanding and compassion. And when we are together, several hundred people doing the same thing, breathing mindfully, chanting mindfully, listening mindfully, generating the energy of uh, understanding and compassion, we create a, a, um, 
uh, energy, uh, collective energy of mindfulness, of compassion that is powerful, that can help heal everyone who are present. So when we sit and listen, we should be able to allow ourselves to be fully present in the here and the now. We behave like a drop of water in the river. We allow ourselves to be transported by the whole river. We don't resist. We become one with the river. And we sit there, allow our body to relax, to be in the here and the now. We just follow our in-breath and our breath and pay attention to the scenting, the energy generated by the Sangha. And then the, the energy, the collective energy of peace, mindfulness and compassion will penetrate into our body. If you allow, if you allow that collective energy to penetrate into your body. And then it will help uh, release the tension in your body and reduce the pain in your body. There is some amount of tension in our body. There is also some pain in our body. And if we know how to allow our body to relax, to be here and now, uh, surrender our body to the Sangha. And then the, the energy generated by the Sangha will be able to penetrate. And you can very easily release the tension in our body. And we feel better after a few minutes. You don't have to do much. Just allow yourself to be relaxed and to be in the here and the now. And if we have some pain and sorrow or despair in, our, in your heart, we can open our heart to allow the collective energy of the Sangha to penetrate. Dear Sangha, dear brothers and sisters in the practice, here is my pain. He is my sorrow. He is my despair. Please help embrace it for me. And if we behave like that, the energy of the Sangha will be able to penetrate into your heart and help embrace your pain, your sorrow, your despair. And you will feel better, much better, after a few minutes of chanting and listening. So transformation and healing can happen during the time of uh, chanting and listening. And if we have a member of the family who is uh, sick in the hospital at home, we can very well channel this energy to him or to her. In this very moment, just think of him or her, or call his name, her name, silently. And then this energy will be transferred to that person right away. And at home or in the hospital, that person will feel relief. So this is a practice 
practice of generating the energy of uh, mindfulness, peace, understanding, and compassion, focusing on the suffering in us and in the world. Please allow ourselves to uh, to sit relaxingly and enjoy our in-breath and out-breath and allow ourselves to be in the zone of energy of the Sangha.
Les écouteurs, ça va. The next uh, Dharma talk will be in French. And uh, the next to next will be in English again. Dear Sangha, uh, the practice of going home in the Buddhist tradition is uh, simple enough for people to understand. It's very deep practice. And it can... Uh, bring result right away. 
we need uh, the energy of mindfulness and concentration in order to go home. We don't need to buy an air ticket, uh, a train ticket to go home. We need to ride on our in-breath, mindful in-breath and out-breath in order to go home. And every step we make can bring us home. And uh, with the support of the Sangha, of the Sangha, it may be uh, easier. When you drink uh, some tea, when you are having some tea, and if you are truly there in the here and the now, and if you your mind and your body are together. And if you can be concentrated on your tea and stop all your thinking and really focus your attention on the tea and you enjoy your tea, you are comfortable in the here and the now. Uh, you are home. There is a, a kind of radio called NST, non-stop thinking, here. And maybe we have to learn how to turn off that radio in order to go home. Because that thinking is bringing us away from home. Of course, there is right thinking. It can have been bring us home. But most of our thinking are not right thinking. The more we think, the, the more confused we get. And that kind of thinking can bring about worries and fear, anxiety, anger. So that is not right thinking. And radio NST well, broadcast mostly this kind of, uh, of thinking. So when we, uh, we walk from our dorm to the dining hall, uh, to the meditation hall, uh, we turn off that radio. We have been practicing that from the beginning of this uh, winter retreat. No talking and no thinking when you walk. And your attention, your mind focus entirely on your in-breath and your steps, and your out-breath. When you breathe in, you may make two or three steps. And you really touch the earth with every step. If you are mindful, if you are concentrated, and every step helps you to get in touch with Mother Earth. And getting, getting in touch with Mother Earth, uh, you get in touch with all the wonders of life that have the power to heal and to nourish. So uh, walking like that is also a form of uh, touching the Earth. We touch the Earth with our feet.
And every, every step we make like that uh, help us to arrive in the here and the now and get in touch with life and the wonders of life. The more you are mindful, the more you are concentrated, the more pleasant uh, is your step. And every step like that can be nourishing and healing. And when you live with a community of a few hundred people, and all of them are walking like that, so uh, it's very easy to, uh, to practice. You do like them. You, do, you allow yourself to, to be in touch with the here and the now. And every step can help uh, you stop the thinking, the worrying, and get in touch with uh, life and all the wonders of life. Every step can be healing. Just walk and heal. It's not difficult to turn off the radio of talking inside. If you, if you find a pleasure of breathing and of walking. I myself feel a great deal of pleasure in breathing and walking. You don't have to force yourself to breathe or to walk. Why do we have to force ourselves to, to breathe? Because we breathe all day long. We don't need to force us to breathe. Just pay attention to your in-breath and out-breath. Don't interfere. Just become aware of your in-breath and out-breath. You know that you are breathing in and you are breathing out. Don't make any effort to intervene and to force you to breathe in such or such a way. And you find that uh, to be alive and to breathing, to be breathing in and out is a wonder. A person who is already dead does not breathe in, breathe out anymore. And you are alive. And you can enjoy breathing in and out. And a person who is already dead, they cannot make a step anymore. But you are alive. You can make one step and two steps and you touch the earth. There are scientists who, who are now in the sky lab. They stay several months up there and they cannot do walking meditation. They are floating up there. And every time they are allowed to go back to the earth, they are so happy to be back to the earth and walking like us, that's a great pleasure. I think we have to ask some of them to write a report on, on, their, on their happiness, on their pleasure when they come back to earth and walk.
so every step bring you home bring you home and your home is in the here and the now what are what you have been looking for is available in the here and the now and in the here and the now uh, you real, you recognize many of uh, the conditions of happiness that are available so when you truly arrive in the here and the now you feel at home home is available for a practitioner the most uh, wonderful dhamma talk uh, that has ever uh, uh, offered in Plum Ridge is uh, I have arrived, I am home and we have been practicing arriving and feeling at home and as we practice we we go deeper into the experience of living in the here and the now. The joy and the happiness increase and we get the healing and the transformation and the nourishment. We do not have to force ourselves to breathe or to walk. It is really pleasant to breathe and to walk. It's like um, drinking tea, you don't have to force yourself to drink tea. Drinking tea is a pleasure. And in Plum Village, uh, we find pleasure in doing other things like um, brushing our teeth, uh, washing our clothes, uh, mopping the floor, that is our practice. We should learn how to wash uh, the dishes in such a way that during the time we wash dishes, we are home. We are not in a hurry. You enjoy doing the dishes. You are a Bodhisattva. You are a Buddha doing the dishes. Joy and happiness is, is possible during the time when you brush your teeth or wash the dishes. So, after having parked your car in the parking lot, you walk to your office or you walk home. And every step can be pleasant. Every step can bring you home to the here and the now. You can walk like a Buddha, a Bodhisattva. And you don't have to put extra time in order to do that. You just enjoy. Every moment of our daily life is enjoyable. 
a number of people believe that uh, they will be happy only if they have more money or fame or power. But there are those of us who don't need that much money, that, that power, that fame in order to be happy. Because we know that uh, mindfulness and uh, concentration are sources of happiness. When you have something for instance, the amount of mindfulness and concentration determine the degree of your happiness. If you are mindful, if you are concentrated, and you get more pleasure, more happiness while drinking tea. So it's not the money or the fame or the profit that make you happy, but mindfulness. Mindfulness is a source of happiness. And that energy we can generate with the practice. When you, when you breathe mindfully, that is the practice of mindful breathing. When you walk mindfully, that is uh, the practice of mindful walking. When you brush your teeth mindfully, and that is uh, mindfulness of brushing. So mindfulness helps you to be anchored in the here and now, and live deeply every moment of your daily life. And if you happen to live with the Sangha practitioners who do the same, uh, you are you are encouraged, you are supported by the collective energy to, to live like that. Happiness is possible. There is no way home. Home is the way. It means that uh, you don't need uh, time to go home. Because to go home is possible right here and right now, with every step, with every uh, breath. <coughs> and that is what the Buddha uh, recommended. There is an island within oneself. And when you go back to that island by the way of uh, mindful breathing, you feel comfortable. The energy of mindfulness and concentration help you to get in touch with yourself. Body and mind are together when you breathe in mindfully. And when body and mind are together, you are well established in the here and the now. You know that you have a body, you have feelings, you have perceptions. And you are in touch with your body, with your feelings. And when you get in touch with your body and your feelings and your consciousness deeply, you get in touch with your ancestors. Because this body is not only your body. This body is the body of, of our mother, of our father, of our ancestors. So to get in touch with my body, I got in touch with the body of my father, my mother, and my ancestors. 
getting in touch with the body, I am in touch with Mother Earth, because Earth is a mother for us all. Our mother is also a child of the Earth. Our father is also a child of the Earth. And the Buddha is also a child of the Earth. And Jesus Christ is also a child of the Earth. So when we get in touch with our body, our feelings, we get in touch with uh, Mother Earth in us. Mother Earth is not just beneath our feet. Mother Earth is inside of us. The air belongs to Mother Earth. The atmosphere, the cloud belong to Mother Earth. And when we touch, get in touch with Mother Earth, we get in touch with uh, Father's Son at the same time, because without uh, the Son, there's no life possible. So we are children of the Son. In the Sutra, they call the Buddha the nephew of the Son. We are children also of the Son. Without the Son, there's no nothing. There will be nothing. So when you do work in meditation and with mindfulness, you can feel that the Son is embracing you tenderly as a father. So mindfulness helps us to get in touch. First with our body, our feelings, our consciousness, and then we get in touch with uh, everything, with life. And suddenly, uh, understanding arises that we are not a lonely, separated self. We are a river, we are a continuation. All our ancestors are alive in us. They have never died. And if we have moments of peace and happiness and joy, they have moments of happiness and peace and joy at the same time. When we breathe in mindfully and if we enjoy breathing in, we might we might like to invite all our ancestors to breathe in at the same time with us. And this is not some imagination. When you breathe in, all your ancestors are breathing in with you. This is a fact. If you are a filmmaker, you might create an image that all generations are breathing in at the same time. And the quality of your breathing uh, is the is the quality of your life, peace, happiness, and joy, because one in breath can bring a lot of joy, happiness, and peace also. Breathing in, we can bring relaxation and peace to our body and the body of our ancestors that are in every cell of our body. And walking life is also like that. When we walk, we can invite all our ancestors to walk with, with our feet because these feet are not only ours, they are theirs also. 
And that kind of insight has the power to liberate us from many, many afflictions like anger, like complexes, like despair, and so on. Suppose uh, the father breathes in and becomes aware of his body. He can be aware that his body is a continuation of the bodies of many uh, generations. And when he looks at his son or his daughter, he can see that uh, the body of all his ancestors have been transmitted to that young man or that young woman. So he sees, the father sees himself in the son, in the daughter. And he sees that he has transmitted the whole lineage of ancestors to that son, to that daughter of his. He is in his son and he is in his daughter. And they will bring all the ancestors to the future. And that is that insight that can be obtained just by one in-breath and not so difficult. Mindfulness and concentration allow us to see that, things like that. Looking into the son or the daughter, you see the father, the mother and all the ancestors. You see that you are not a separate self. And your son, your daughter, also not a separate self. The son, the daughter, contain a multitude of beings. Not only human, but uh, non-human also. So with that insight, it's no longer possible for you to get angry at your son or your daughter. If you get angry at your son, your daughter, you get angry at all your ancestors in him. If you try to punish your son and your daughter, you punish all your ancestors and yourself in him. So insight is always available with mindfulness and concentration. And with that insight, we are free from our anger, fear, separation, and so on. So the practice of mindfulness and concentration not only uh, allowed us to live uh, more deeply every moment that is given to us to live, but also they allow us to have the kind of insight that can help us getting out of afflictions like separation, loneliness. Loneliness is a, an illusion. You are not lonely. You have all your ancestors with you. you. You have all the wonders of life in you. You have Mother Earth and Father Son in you. You are not lonely. Loneliness is a wrong perception, a wrong feeling. So with that kind of uh, practice of breathing and walking, you get in touch. You find that you are not too, really lonely and the feeling of loneliness may disappear. And many of us feel empty inside and we are looking 
for something to fill up that uh, that vacuum in us and you go around continue to go around looking for something to fill it up but with that kind of insight there is no more loneliness you don't feel the need of going around and find something So it's true that every every breath help us to go home and to take care of us and to heal us. Every step can help us going home right away. And we have the chance to see that we are not lonely, that there are so many wonders of light are available that it is possible to live uh, each moment of our life deeply and with fulfillment. And the teaching of the Buddha on going home is uh, very clear, very strong also. In the the last uh, weeks of his life, the Buddha uh, spent time going around the city of uh, Vaishali and visiting communities of practice, disciples, lay and monastics, and they urged them to to follow that kind of practice. Go home to yourself. and heal yourself, take good care of yourself. You find everything you want at home. And there is an island of self inside of each of us. And if you go home, you, you are in touch with uh, your ancestors, genetic ancestors, spiritual ancestors. And you are in touch with all the wonders of life and that allow you to heal and to transform. And the Buddha gave uh, that um, kind of teaching to every group that he visited before he he went north uh, to his uh, hometown. Years ago, I have written a book uh, with the title Living Buddha, Living Christ. Sometimes we want to talk to the Buddha. And in the uh, Christian tradition, uh, uh, you should uh, get in touch with Jesus and uh, with uh, the way of a prayer. You have to pray to him. So if we uh, we know that Christ is still alive, only when we we believe that Jesus Christ is still alive that we can pray to him.
And if you want to talk, to have a conversation with the Buddha, you should believe that Buddha is still alive for you to talk to him. I have written a, a book called uh, Intimate Conversation with the Buddha. <laughs> so I must believe in the Buddha as still being still alive in order to converse with him. But in many sutras, the question is uh, often asked whether a Buddha continue to exist after he, he is passing away, he is uh, entering into Nirvana. After passing away, does, will the Buddha continue to exist, or stop to exist, or both uh, continue or stop, or neither continue nor stop? And the Buddha did not spend much time to answer this question. In fact, he did not like to answer these questions. Not because he does not know, but uh, it takes a, a lot of time to discuss about these things. The birth of Jesus into this world as uh, the son of man. We may like to reflect a little bit on it. Did he exist before he was born? Uh, in the Gospel, it said that uh, God uh, sent his son. So he must have existed before he was born in Bethlehem, right? But in the Buddhist teaching, if you exist already, you don't have to be born. Because uh, in our thinking, to be born means from nothing you become something. From someone you become, from no one you become someone. If you already exist, why do you have to be born? Because according to our thinking, to be born means from the realm of non-being, you pass into the realm of being, right? From no one you suddenly become someone. That is not the case of Jesus. He was already someone before he was born. So that is not really birth. That may be manifestation or something. And I would like to to invite uh, our Christian friends to reflect a little bit on that. What do you mean by birth? Do you mean from nothing to some something, from some, no, no one to someone? Or you, you think that that is only a new manifestation of Jesus in the form of the Son of Man? And if you think so, you are very close to the Buddhist. Because in the Buddhist thinking, there is no birth. It's only manifestation, a new manifestation. Because when you look at the cloud, you ask where the cloud has come from. Has it come from nothingness? 
And after some time, we say, no, it has not come from nothingness. It has come from the ocean, the vapor, the water vapor, and the sun shine. So it has not come from nothing. And the appearance of the cloud is not really a birth. It is a continuation. It is a a manifestation, a new manifestation. And then we continue with the meditation. What happened when the cloud died? Dies. Is it possible for a cloud to die? And that is meditation. And to die means from something you become nothing at all. From someone you become not no one at all. That is our thinking of dying. But that doesn't apply to the cloud. The cloud cannot die. The cloud can become snow or, or rain, ice, but it cannot become nothing. So that is nature of the cloud. So what does it mean to die? To die means to change the, the form of, uh, to change form to manifest otherwise. You don't manifest as something floating anymore, but you manifest as something that is falling down, like rain. So there is no real dying. And do our brothers and sisters in Christianity, Christianity think of Jesus in the same terms? The nature of Jesus is the nature of no birth and no death. So that can change completely the way we practice. And we don't have to use the expression the living Christ. Because uh, we use the, the, the expression the living Christ because uh, many people think that Jesus had, has already died. And when one died, one is no longer there for you to pray. So we need a living Christ in order to to pray too. So what what is going on in the Buddhist circle? Do they believe that the Buddha, after dying, is no longer there or he continues? And the question has been asked several times during his lifetime. And it requires deep meditation. The talking will not be able to, to, to satisfy us. This year we, uh, we celebrate uh, the 30th anniversary, anniversary of Plum Village. And uh, among the things we, 
they do for the celebration is to organize a 21-day retreat with a theme of Buddhism and science. Because we believe that uh, a dialogue between scientists and yogi, Buddhist practitioners, can be very uh, productive. Uh, these questions can be can be discussed, can be looked into together by both uh, scientists and yogis. In physics, <coughs> in uh, chemis- chemistry, we have the law of the conservation of matter and energy. You cannot create new matter. You cannot destroy matter. You cannot create new energy. You cannot uh, destroy energy. You can only transfer matter into matter, matter into energy, energy into energy, energy into back into matter. And Lavoisier, that French scientist, said it very clearly. Nothing is born. There's no birth. Nothing dies. Rina Sakre, Rina It sounds like the Heart Sutra, because in the Heart Sutra we learn that there is no birth and no death. And in fact, when we observe things, like uh, when we observe a cloud, we really see that the nature of the cloud is no birth and no death. Because in our thinking, to be born means from nothing you become something. But the cloud has not come from nothing. So that is not birth, that is a manifestation, a new manifestation. And when the cloud died, it does not really die. It does is no longer in the sky, but it is still there in the new form, like the rain or the river uh, or the fog or the ice cream. So, so, so the cloud is matter and energy, and we are made of matter and energies. Body, feelings, perceptions, mental formation and consciousness, they are matter and energies. Jesus is made of energies and Buddha also is made of energies. And energies engender energy and there will be a continuation. So, Jesus cannot die, Buddha cannot die, you cannot die, I cannot die. It is possible to die because our true nature is the nature of no birth and no death. And that is the kind of truth that is called in Buddhism the ultimate truth. In the ultimate dimension, uh, we see there's no birth and no death. 
And we see that the notion of being and non-being are just notions. Because when you remove, uh, when you have removed the notion of birth and death, you remove at the same time the notion of being and non-being. Because to be born means from non-being you pass into being. And to die means from the realm of being you pass into the realm of being. But if you remove the notion of birth and death, you remove at the same time the notion of being and non-being. And that is very clear in the Buddhist teaching. The Buddha said to Katyayana that right view is a kind of vision that transcends the notion of being and non-being. That is why to be or not to be, that is not the question. So let us uh, <clears throat> let us uh, transfer this kind of vision to Jesus Christ, to the Buddha, <clears throat> and we see that that uh, the nature of Jesus is the, the nature of no birth and no death, and we cannot say that uh, Jesus is or Jesus is not, because we cannot describe Jesus in terms of being and non-being, birth and death. And the same thing is true with the Buddha. You cannot describe the Buddha in terms of is or is not. Alive, uh, uh, birth and death. Because just look at the cloud. Already looking at the cloud, you can touch the nature of no birth and no death of the cloud. And a cloud cannot be described in terms of being and non-being. You think that it's not there, but it's not true. When you don't see any cloud in the in the sky, and you say that the cloud is not, it's not true. The cloud is free from the notion of birth and death. And if uh, a cloud is like that, and then Jesus is like that, Buddha is like that, and we, each of us, is also like that, our nature is nature of no birth and no death. And people cannot use mental, mental categories like being and non-being in order to, to describe us. You cannot grasp the Sutra Anuruddha Sutta is very famous. Uh, one day the monk Anuruddha uh, went for the arm round and a few other monks from other traditions stopped him and asked him um, about the Buddha. What happened when the Buddha died? He continued to be, or he stopped to be, or he both continued and stopped, or he neither continued or stopped. You have to answer that question of mine. And Anuruddha said, no, my teacher has never spoken of him or of anything in these four uh, categories. I cannot coach one, uh, <laughs> one of the four. <laughs> 
so uh, the uh, the group of monks from other traditions said to well, this monk is not intelligent enough he has he's just a beginner so we have to look for another monk to ask and then Anuruddha came home to the Buddha and told the story and asked the Buddha is there any better answer because I risked my teacher to meet them again and they will ask the question again and this is uh, the conversation between teacher and student the Buddha said Anuruddha Do you think that uh, this body is the Tathagata? Form is the Tathagata? No, teacher, you are not just this body. Are these feelings are the Tathagata? No. These perceptions, the mental formation, this consciousness is the Tathagata? I said no. And then, can you find the Tathagata out of this body, out of these feelings, out of, the, out of these perceptions and so on? No. And where do you, where do you find Tathagata? And the Buddha said, Anuruddha, I am sitting in front of you, and yet you cannot grasp me. You cannot tell where, uh, uh, who I am. The same with the five uh, uh, aggregate, or outside the five aggregate. You cannot find me, even I'm sitting in front of you. How can you expect to find me after I pass away and to, and to decide whether I will be or will not be and so on? So even, even this, even, even you have a perception and you believe in your perception uh, in terms of mental categories, you have not been able to get the truth. When we perceive someone or something, we have a perception. But that perception cannot represent the truth. When you perceive a cloud, you describe the cloud in terms of birth and death, being and non-being. And that is why you cannot uh, you, you do not have a correct understanding of, uh, of the cloud. That correct understanding is described by the Buddha in terms of right view. Right view is free from the view of birth and death, wind and non-wind. And we are only using these category, mental categories in order to grasp reality. I think uh, scientists of our time, especially in the realm of uh, quantum physics, begin to realize that with our mental categories, it's almost impossible to grasp the nature of, uh, of uh, quantum 
กว้างตาวิคานัตอันดิสแตนดันนิจเจอร์เบอร์กว้างตาอินเตอร์มสอบบีนอันนอนบีนเบอร์ทันเดตแอนเซอร์ suppose we look at the iceberg in the in the Atlantic uh, the the northern part of uh, northern pole of the earth What we see is a very small tip of ice above the level of water. What we do not see is the huge mountain of of, of glass of of ice beneath. So our perception is like that. We see a little bit, and we think that uh, we have seen everything. We have seen the image of a cloud, and we think that we have seen the cloud. And we distinguish between cloud and non-clouds, and we think of the cloud in terms of birth and death, being and non-being. But if we follow the cloud, we see that the cloud is free from birth and death. It frees from that kind of uh, form, because the the cloud can can be in other forms, like a, like a fog. Like uh, uh, ice, like uh, snow, like rain, like a river, like an ocean. We have not seen much of the cloud. So usually we think uh, that after Jesus is crucified, he continued very much. In his old form, that manifested in Jerusalem, we want to grasp, grasp, grasp the person of Jesus like that, and we think we can talk to him, we can pray to him in that form. But that is only a tip of the iceberg. You have not seen much. There is a story of uh, two followers of Jesus that walk to the town, to the village of Emmaus. That's uh, just three days after the crucifixion of Jesus. They, are, they walk to the village of Emmaus. And because they, they have not learned walking meditation, that is why they talk during walking. <laughs> They don't stop the talking, and they don't don't stop the thinking. They talk a lot about uh, what happened to Jesus after crucifixion. And then another person came along and walked with them and listened to their talks. And then at one time he stopped them and said, "What you are, both of you are talking about?" And the two men said, "Well." It does not seem that you, you, you. It seems that you have, you have come from somewhere else. You have not heard anything that happened, that has happened to in Jerusalem in the in the past few days. Jesus Christ was crucified. 
and then uh, they walk some more and when uh, when it is a little bit too dark to continue so they stop in a in an inn uh, to spend the night and during the time they had dinner they supper uh, the man uh, broke the bread and uh, and uh, uh, give uh, uh, the, the bread and uh, the two uh, Jesus, uh, the two uh, Jesus followers recognize that this is the living Jesus who has been walking with them, and uh, he is not really dead. He is in his new form, and he he has walked with them for a few kilometers, and yet they did they did not recognize him as Jesus. Only they recognize him. Uh, when they again uh, he broke the bread and uh, and gave it to them. I I do not think that uh, you have to believe in the story. Whether you believe in the story as uh, true or not true, well, you can learn a lot from the story. There is a way of breaking the bread. There is a way of eating the bread that is specific to Jesus. If if another person uh, take the bread, break the bread and eat the bread, uh, it would not look like uh, the way Jesus uh, uh, does. It's like uh, when you sit down like this and you invite the Buddha to breathe with your lungs and uh, your back. Dear Buddha, I'm a little bit lazy today for sitting meditation. Please uh, use my back and use my lungs to practice sitting and breathing for me. And every time you invite the Buddha like that, he accepts right away and he sits upright and he breathes. And when the Buddha breathes, well, his, the quality of his breathing and sitting is very good. And you can recognize it. Only a Buddha can sit like that and can breathe like that. And you don't recognize the Buddha with his five scandals, uh, five scandals, five elements. You recognize the Buddha in the way he sits. He walked. He ate his bread. And whether that person, that third person, has the same uh, scandals with Jesus Christ or not, that does not matter. His way of walking, his way of uh, <coughs> Sitting, his way of breaking the bread, eating the bread, means that Jesus is still alive.
and uh, you may find other people who can walk like that, who can uh, sit like that, who can break the bread like that, and he and they are also the continuation of Jesus Christ. And the living Jesus can be seen in the here and the now. Our Sangha, our community here is a continuation of the Buddha Sangha. Because uh, each one of us, whether you are monastic or lay people, we live our daily life in such a way that we can generate energy of mindfulness and concentration and joy and peace every moment with every breath with every uh, uh, step and if uh, each of us can generate this uh, energy of mindfulness and concentration and joy and peace we are the Buddha we are the continuation of the Buddha there is no complex because the way we walk shows that the Buddha is here. Because the way we, we breathe shows that the Buddha is alive. We don't need to have an exact uh, picture of Siddhartha in order to have the Buddha. We should not uh, be attached to that, uh, that picture 2,600 years ago. Then the, the Buddha in the present moment you have to recognize him in many forms. He can be very young. He can wear jeans. Uh, he can. He he might be using a telephone with mindfulness. You have to recognize him in his his uh, many new forms. So it is possible for us to have a conversation intimate conversation of the Buddha at any time. He is you because you are a continuation of the Buddha. Because when you are walking, you touch the earth. You generate the energy of mindfulness and concentration. You feel calm, you feel peaceful. You feel a sense of um, uh, fulfillment. And you are the continuation of the Buddha. There is no complex. It is possible to be a Buddha in the here and the now. Uh, you feel at home. You don't feel that you need anything else. You don't need to go around and around anymore. You have arrived. You feel you are home. You are the real continuation of the Buddha. So a cloud does not have to be floating up there to be a cloud. A cloud can be flowing like a river and looking into the river we see the cloud. You have to recognize your cloud, your beloved cloud in your tea. Every time you pick up your tea, be mindful. Bring your mind home to the body and establish yourself in the present moment. And then you can see your beloved cloud here. 
your cloud has never died and you are drinking your cloud and that is enlightenment that is mindfulness that is insight so for those of us who practice mindfulness the Buddha is available in the here and the now in his new forms and the Buddha can be inside of us Anyone who is inhabited by the energy of mindfulness, concentration, and insight, anyone who has a sense of peace, compassion, is a continuation of the Buddha. The Buddha is available. There is no doubt that uh, after uh, dying, the Buddha continues. But his way uh, to continue uh, always follow the truth of impermanence of, uh, of, uh, of impermanence of no self because a cloud does not have a, a self in order to continue a cloud can be joined by many other clouds and a cloud can, can produce rain and, and, and snow and river. So there is always input and output. So the cloud follows the natural law, law of uh, impermanence and non-self. So Jesus and Buddha also like that. They continue always because their nature is the nature of no birth and no death. So if we have that insight, we will not be attached to a particular form of Jesus, a particular form of Buddha. And uh, the Buddha can be a river. The, the Buddha can house many living creatures. Learn to look at the at, the, at Lagaron as a Bodhisattva. Why not? That river is a source of life so for so many. It can protect so many living beings. It continues to, to make life possible. So Lagaron, La Seine, La Marne are great bodhisattvas. And in the Buddhist tradition, we consider Mother Earth as a great bodhisattva. Refreshing bodhisattva, Bodhisattva, Thanh Lung Dia. And it is possible to see a star, to look at a star and conceive him, conceive the star as a Buddha. Look at our star, the, Buddha, the, the sun. That is a real Bodhisattva, that is a real Buddha. A source of infinite light, a source of infinite lives because without the sun, there is no life on earth. 
Jesus is also a son of of uh, of the son. The Buddha is also a son of the son, and all of us are children of the son. And the son is uh, the Buddha of infinite light, of infinite life. And suddenly we discover a new kind of relationship with uh, the Buddha. When you practice walking meditation, you may allow yourself to be embraced by Father Son. Father Son is not up there only. He is inside of you. Without Father Son, there is no you. You are a continuation. You are a manifestation, a condition of, of Father Son. The Sangha can be a Buddha. The Buddha does not need to be a person. In uh, Christian theology, much time has been spent in order to discuss whether God is a person or not a person. In Buddhism, it's more simple. The Buddha can be a person, can be a non-person. The Buddha can be a river, a planet, or a star. And uh, in Brahmaraj, we consider the sun as a Vairochana Tathagata. Dainyak Nilai. Dainyak means Vairochana, a great sun. There's a source of life, a source of light also. The food we eat also come from the sun. Without the sunshine, Nothing can grow, and we have nothing to eat. So Father Son is, has been feeding us many generations. So we do not have any complex. We are like the Buddha. We are a nephew, a niece of the Son. We are children of the Son and of Mother Earth. And we take refuge in them. We are immortal. We are free from birth and death. Our nature is the nature of no birth and no death. And now scientists begin to recognize that that energy and matter, they are not born, they don't die. Re-energy, re-energy, transform. Only if scientists know how to apply that kind of insight into their daily life and overcome fear, of being and non-being, and that's the nature of interbeing. There is no being, there is no non-being, there is only interbeing. So within the Buddhist tradition, it's clear enough that the Buddha continues always. And we ourselves continue always. This body is, is it, uh, can disintegrate, but that doesn't mean that uh, we stop. We continue always. 
because energy is continuous in other forms. And uh, what is essential is the way we are, we live our life. When we walk, when we sit, when we eat, when we work, there is an art that, uh, that, that, that can help uh, every moment of our daily life uh, peaceful, happy, uh, compassionate. And that uh, will ensure a beautiful and good continuation. So uh, tonight when we celebrate um, the birth of Jesus, we can uh, allow ourselves into that mood of meditation, uh, touching Jesus as uh, a wonder free from birth and death, being and non-being. And uh, that kind of insight may help us uh, transcend our sorrow, our fear, and help us uh, to enjoy more the present moment when life is available. Merry Christmas. <laughs>